Today we'll be in Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And this is the introduction of a new character. And it also is the turning point in the story. There's still a lot that'll happen, but the turning point has arrived. So I invite you, friends, to hold your Bibles open to Ruth chapter 2. We'll also be going a little bit into the Old Testament today, so if you're someone who likes to follow along and and find those spots, um, then just, yeah, maybe have something ready to hold your spot in Ruth as we'll be going to Deuteronomy and Leviticus as well. But before we do so, let us pray for God's blessing upon the Word as we invite God's Holy Spirit to move in our hearts as we connect to the Word. Let's pray. Speak to us your truth, O God, and speak to us in love so that we may know your heart, so that we may connect with your Holy Spirit. May we do all of this that we may increase our likeness to you, Jesus. And so by your Holy Spirit, open to us Open to us your spirit's riches, that whether we view ink on paper or pixel on screen, may you speak to us anew today. May you be the source of life, and may we find life abundant in you through your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Ruth chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along with the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, 
how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's payback time. Just the words. When, when you hear those words, it's payback time. Do you assume them to have a positive or negative action associated with them? I would say for most of us, it's a negative. Payback time for us locks our minds into the idea of revenge or vengeance, that it's our turn to get back at someone else. Payback time is when we get to feel vindicated, for if we feel that we have been wronged, it's our turn to set things right. That seems to be a strong sentiment throughout the nation right now, maybe throughout the world. It's payback time. Everyone's got a payback time to choose. How refreshing then, how different, what a contrast to turn to Ruth chapter 2, particularly finding Boaz's response where he says in verse 12, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May the Lord repay you. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Isn't it refreshing to come to an idea where payback time is actually a positive action? Where, where, where what Boaz is getting at here is that, that you... Ruth, have shown tremendous kindness, and I want you to get payback time for that kindness. I want the kindness that you have shown to Naomi to come back to you in some way. I want the ways in which you have sacrificed and blessed Naomi to come back, that God may honor your sacrifice, and that the ways in which you have blessed others may come back to you as blessing. Boaz has a different kind of payback time in mind. And hopefully for all of us, it would be easy to repay kindness with kindness, that we would be eager to celebrate kindness. This is the beginning bar, and it'll move up in the New Testament. And we'll even be challenged in different readings of the Old Testament that, that payback time, repaying good with good, is like base level. But then to get to the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 12 of repaying evil with good, or Jesus' words of turning the other cheek. Boaz is someone who is eager to repay kindness that he has seen and also hope that God will repay kindness. We have our part in that. But Boaz is invoking the name of the Lord as he does several times in this short section of 13 verses that the Lord will repay Naomi for what she's done. We don't get there by accident, though. 
We, we don't arrive at this mindset of, of invoking the name of the Lord to bless others for the ways in which they've blessed by accident. We actually get there through a very faithful reading of the Old Testament. And so we're going to start today maybe a, a little bit Jewish in our reading, just to, just to try on a certain way of hearing and reading Scripture, and, and we're going to get to the more of the Jesus idea of reading Scripture, where we find the fulfillment of the law and the prophets in Christ as we go. But to start with this slightly more Jewish understanding of Scripture, there are three words to follow along with in Ruth 2, 1 through 13 today. Law, wisdom, kindness. Just for fun, whether you're here at home, can you say those with me? Law, Law. wisdom, Wisdom. kindness. Kindness. It gets louder and louder each time here. I love it. Law, wisdom, kindness. Observing the law, the law of God, the Old Testament parts, the really long sections in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy explaining the do's and don'ts, Observing the law will lead to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and wisdom comes from God and leads us back to God. Observing the law will lead us to wisdom, and practicing a life of wisdom will bring us to kindness. A shorthand way to understand this move of law to wisdom to kindness is if you think of some of the kindest people that you know, I know for me the kind people that I think of also seem to be remarkably wise. And the wise among us seem to also be remarkably kind. I don't find fools to be kind or wise. And I don't find the unkind to be people who seek wisdom. Law observed will lead us to wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and this will lead us towards kindness. So first, we have to get our head around some of the Old Testament law in as brief a way as possible. But in verses 1 through 3, this is the law section of our reading of Ruth 2, 1 through 13. This is where the law takes place. This is where the law is invoked. Because there's this whole thing about Ruth saying to Naomi, I'm going to go glean in the fields. And for some of us, we're like, what what does that even mean? Or why is she doing this? She's just going to go to somebody's, somebody's field and start picking up the extra. Well, this comes from God's law. This is an established practice. And so if you're someone who likes to follow along, turn to Deuteronomy 24, particularly to verse 19, but we're going to read 17 through 22. Deuteronomy chapter 24, right at the end. And make sure you don't go to verse, uh, chapter 25, because then it's really, really different. Verse 19 by itself is the practice of gleaning. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands." 
So if you're picking something and you miss something, you don't go back and get it. You leave it there. For who? For the vulnerable in society, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Ruth and Naomi, as a pair, are all three of those things. Ruth is a foreigner in this land. They have left their families. They are fatherless, and they are both widows. But looking at all the verses around it, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, if we read verse 17 through 22, we get the idea that this is really, really important to God's law. Beginning at verse 17, Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. And when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all of the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branch a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that is why I command you to do this. This repetition matters a lot in God's law. There was provision for the vulnerable in society repeated for different types of crops and in different sections of God's law, meaning people were not left to be out on their luck without any choice or option. And if you were so fortunate and blessed to be someone who owned land and was celebrating a harvest, you had a responsibility to those around you to provide out of what you have been blessed with so you are to bless others. And the name of the Lord is invoked in this. And the remembering of you all were once slaves who were escaping hardship. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that you were blessed. And in your, and in your remembering, do not forget to bless others. This is extremely important. And it was a matter of faithfulness. Some of our modern reading of this might push us against it a little bit. I mean, Boaz shows up in what we just read with all faithfulness to God's law. But can't you almost hear some of our modern repercussions on this, our responses of, uh, well, those people made their bad choices so they can figure it out. Or to think about making an easy spot for the foreigners might make us think, well, but then we're going to get just overrun with too many of them. Or the, the fatherless, man, the fatherless and the widows, there's going to be all these needy people, and if we give them something once, they're just going to keep asking and asking and asking. We have all kinds of responses on why we maybe don't want to follow this type of law. There could be risk, and if Boaz gets a reputation for being someone who leaves the corners of his field, who leaves the sheaves and grapes behind, well, is he just going to have a flock of people following him, wanting a handout? There is still dignity and work involved in this practice of gleaning. 
there is still the, the, the practice of going out and gathering and harvesting. But what's interesting is that it just has to be left behind. It has to be a gift given to those who cannot repay it. The foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, the immigrant, the poor, the needy. A gift is left to be given. And this was a matter of faithfulness to God's law. Looking also in Leviticus 19, looking at verses 9 and 10. So we're getting a little bit closer to Genesis, but this is as far back as we're going to go today. Leviticus 19, beginning at verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. This is God's moment of saying, you do it because I am your parent and I told you to do it. But looking down at verses 13 and 14, the concern for the vulnerable in God's law continues. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. A hired worker overnight might be someone who is going paycheck to paycheck, and the person who's paying them, it's nothing to them to hold on to the money overnight. But it might be the difference between someone being able to buy food for their family or not. Therefore, do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, I am the Lord. Don't curse the deaf. Don't strike out at people in ways that they can't even respond or hear you. Don't put a stumbling block in front of the blind. I am the Lord your God. God's law has some very harsh parts that we might bristle against, and God's law also has an incredible amount of compassion built into its very DNA. This is the section of law. What Ruth goes out to do only makes sense because this is supposed to be a regular, practiced way of life. There is law to be followed. And observing the law will lead us to wisdom. And this is where we pick up verses 4 through 6. If 1 through 3 is the law being observed, 4 through 6 is where wisdom is going to be practiced. Because then Boaz arrives from Bethlehem. Here comes kind of the hero of the story showing up on scene. And, and it's almost a theatric moment. Boaz, just as Ruth is doing all this, just happens to show up. And how does he greet the people? The Lord be with you. And they respond, the Lord bless you. Boaz is someone who invokes the name of the Lord in his greetings. And if you're going to invoke God's name, you better be ready to follow God's laws. And Boaz asked his people, who does that young woman belong to? Tone of voice is the first round of interpretation. However you hear these words makes a very big difference on how you understand the text. Who does that young woman belong to? Could be heard with some like, where did that person come from? But also, Ruth, spoiler alert, is a little bit of a love story. So if you think of this 
young, wealthy man showing up on scene, and he sees someone he doesn't recognize, and he says, who does that young woman belong to? You are also very correct in reading the text this way. There is an emerging love interest right away. Who does she belong to? Which means, of what people is she from? She's not from here. And also implied in the question is, is she married? Is there someone else in the picture? Who does she belong to? Well, Ruth, just in the description that the overseer gives, is someone who is, well, very observant of the law as well. Here's where the law and wisdom come together. In our Bibles, the order that we go in week after week, Ruth comes after Judges before 1 Samuel. We put it in a historic chronological setting because Ruth happens during the time of Judges and we're only a couple generations away from King David in 1 and 2 Samuel. But the Hebrew Bible arranges it differently. So that's one reason why it's really hard to find things in the Hebrew Bible in the way the Jews have arranged the Old Testament because the books are in different places than where we're used to it. The other thing that makes it really hard to find things in the Hebrew Bible is that it's written in Hebrew. Simple enough. Ruth, in the Hebrew Old Testament, the way the Jews arranged the Old Testament, Ruth comes right after the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. It's the wisdom for how to live. In the Hebrew Old Testament, Ruth comes right after Proverbs. It is as if you are meant to read this description of Ruth right after you read Proverbs 31, the description in Scripture of a noble wife and character. Proverbs gives you that picture, and then Ruth is meant to be read immediately after, as if it's the response, as if it's here's the picture of what we're talking about. We see it in Ruth, and we also see it in Boaz. Boaz, who seems to be someone who follows God's law, who allows the practice of gleaning, and also who is taking great care for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. If we take Naomi's words seriously, in chapter 1, she went away full but came back empty. She didn't know who to trust or who to reach out to, or else she might have sent Ruth to Boaz's field in the first place. She is empty. And when Boaz arrives on scene, we find that he is quite full. He is a man of standing, meaning he is someone of wealth and prominence. He's not vulnerable. He has all the privilege in the world. And how does he show up? He shows up as someone who observes God's law and practices wisdom. And what he hears of Ruth fits the description of someone who is both noble and of high character. And so he takes notice of her. Though she's a foreigner, though she's a vulnerable person, though something bad could happen to Ruth, and no one would really notice or mind or care. In verse 8, Boaz speaks his first words to Ruth. My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. 
Now Ruth is a hard worker. She has not spent much time in the shelter. And yet now, it's not only that she is a hard worker, that she has the access to it, but also that she is protected by Boaz, by the one who's in charge of this area, by the one who oversees the overseer. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. The rest of chapter 2 we'll get to next week. Ruth was a vulnerable person out in the fields, and now she knows that she is protected because Boaz speaks of being under the shadow of God's wings, and he also has acted on that himself. He is under her wings as well. And he says, whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. This is where we see kindness emerging. It is not a burden to Boaz to let his fields be gleaned. It is not a hindrance to him to make sure that the vulnerable who are on his property are cared for. And rather, this observing the law and practicing wisdom leads to kindness on Boaz's part. He has already repaid some kindness to Ruth, but he invokes the name of the Lord yet again, asking that the Lord repay her for what she has done. Friends, this starts to sound a little bit like an echo towards the New Testament, where we pick up on what Jesus said about letting the thirsty have something to drink. We start to see echoes and hear these words of compassion going forward. Because remember, Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus came that observing the law, even the hard parts of it, might inspire us towards wisdom. And that if we are to practice wisdom in knowing God's law, that it will lead us to kindness. Kindness is the natural result of following God's law. So I wonder today, as you go into this week, do you have plans to be particularly kind? Are you interested in your perceived enemies, in the arguments that you might win, in the points that you might prove? There might be all of that there. And the simple question from God's law would emerge, are you just as eager to be kind? Because if we are not people who are eager to be kind, then we are not wise in God's eyes. And if we are not wise in God's eyes, it is probably because we are not following God's laws in the ways that they are meant to be followed by Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law. There are lots of things that are up to us. Our responses, our actions, our reactions. My dad said again and again to me growing up, you are responsible for your actions, not other people's reactions, but your actions are your own. We are responsible for our actions. But there's a lot of room that the wisdom of God's law leaves where we say there are some things that are up to God, like payback time. Both God's wrath and God's kindness, as we heard in Romans, in Romans 12, there is a lot of length left up to God. So what's up to you today? Can you fix all of the problems of the world Probably not, and if you could, just please do it. But rather, is it up to you to be kind? And who would you be kind to? In Boaz's character, 
we see the law fulfilled, where kindness is shown to the vulnerable. Compassion is shown to those who are down and out on their luck. Kindness is shown to those who cannot repay it. And kindness is shown to those that we could think of reasons why not to show it. This is the end of God's law, is that the wise will be kind. And may they find shelter under God's wings in whom we find refuge. Amen and amen. Let's pray. God, as we come to you in a world of both anxiety and anger, of frustration and outrage, of violence and vengeance, in word and thought and in action, we come to you today and are grateful for this, your word, where we find Ruth and Boaz, where we find kindness as the natural result of following your law, O God. Help us in what we do to be responsible for the kindness that you have called us to and also in our judgments to leave room for you, God. That repayment, payback time, is really your business and not ours. May we leave room for your wrath and room for your blessing. And in all of this humility to know that it is not up to us. And we give you thanks that it is not up to us. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks this day for surgeries that have gone well. We praise you once again for healing progress for the Redder family, for Lloyd and Sue both. We give you thanks for Warren Brower being on his feet and recovering from his surgery. And this, week, and this week in particular, Lord, we give you thanks for Jody Essenberg's surgery, for the restoration of hearing that you have provided. May her healing continue to be well, without complication or surprise, other than the surprise of new sounds long forgotten. And may the other ear surgery commence in all in good time. We thank you for doctors and nurses and medical staff who do these works. We pray that you continue to bless those who work. All of our first responders in whatever setting they find themselves, for the fatigue that this season has brought on, for the exhaustion, for the frustration. We pray for stamina of all. Lord, we also give you thanks for a good report on Barry Cummings, Diane Dupree's brother-in-law. Lord, we thank you that he is home, that he continues to recover. We pray that you bless him as he goes into, um, continue to work on speech and correction. Lord, we also offer prayers today for Kim Claussen. Lord, for the ongoing search for a diagnosis, and also we offer prayers for her in the midst of yesterday's um, newest event. Um, for Kim has rolled her ankle and, and broken it in two places. Lord, for the frustration, for the setback, for the tears, for all of this, we offer Kim and Mike to you. May they find answers, and we pray that you bless them tomorrow as they take consultation of surgery, if it will be necessary or not. Lord, bring clarity to Kim's health journey 
and bring relief from pain in this moment and healing in the future. And God, we do come to you as your people, thanking you for the blessings, praying for what is to come, bringing our laments and griefs to you with an honest and contrite heart, and seeking to know that payback time belongs to you. May we live that way as an extension of our faith and as a result of our faith. May your law make us wise, and may your wisdom make us kind, both to those whom we would deem our friends and to those whom we would deem our enemies. Lord, make it so in our hearts, in our lives, in word and thought and action, both now and forever. Amen. Friends, we're going to uh, sing a song of response as the praise team makes their way forward, um, which I always get song titles mixed up, All the Poor and Powerless. Yes, thanks, Pastor Audrey. Uh, Sing these words and pay attention to where they come from, for they come from God's law. In Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, these ways in which we are called to be those who show kindness to the poor and powerless, and that as we do so, we don't get a complex about how good we are, but rather we remember that we were poor and powerless to sin and death, and it was Christ who came into the world and into our lives to rescue us. Just as the Israelites were rescued from slavery in Egypt, so we are rescued by Christ. So we are the poor and powerless, and we are those who are called to show kindness and steadfast love to the poor and powerless in our midst. Let's sing praises to God. Oh 
as we go from this place this week may you find a little bit of your inner Ruth which reminds us that the kindness of God that we have been shown is beyond what we deserve and so we celebrate in it and may you find your inner Boaz that in the following of God's laws and God's practices we find wisdom and kindness to show to the world and as we do so we do all of this in God's name. And if we are to invoke God's name, we shall be careful to follow God's laws. And so will you stand for the benediction as we together invoke, meaning use in a special way, God's name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face towards you and give you Christ's everlasting and perfect peace, today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. Let us sing the doxology in a way that we give glory to God with our lips in this service and with our lives as we go into the week. Let's sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go in peace.